0: The Matthew Wright Show on crucible of broadcast excellence, Talk Radio. Put it on and keep it on. Too busy to catch us on the afternoons on Talk Radio? Too many children to care for? Too many jobs to manage? Well, never fear. Help is here in the shape of the Matthew Wright Podcast, where we cut down three hours of entertainment and enlightenment every afternoon into tiny, bite-sized morsels just for you, you busy so-and-so. So sit back and enjoy the best of The Matthew Wright Show here on Talk Radio. The Northern Rail Firm has just been brought under government control, as I told you earlier, and Transport Secretary Grant Shapps joins us on the line now. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Um... This has been a problem uh, brewing for some time, has mm. it not? Was no other solution in, in the private sector available? Well, not. Uh, I did look at all of this. Um, as
1: soon as I came in, as a rather frustrated <laughs> commuter myself, as soon as I became Transport Secretary in the summer, uh, I started to take steps immediately. And there's sort of a bit of a legal process that you, you have to go through. Uh, and the choice at the end of that legal process in the first place is either to give a, what they call a direct award back to the same Operator, so that'd be back to a or uh, to go to the operator of last resort, which is effectively uh, a, uh, a, a an office that runs it on my behalf. So, and it is coming back to um, the, the the government uh, to get this sorted out. In your view, where have Northern Rail, where, where, where has a gone wrong? Well, there've been all sorts of problems. I mean, if you if you're a commuter on uh, on Northern, I was just yesterday. Um, it's pretty obvious. Sometimes their trains have been uh, not there. Uh, There's almost no Sunday service from some locations. Um, They've had all sorts of problems that are outside of their control. Uh, Some of the problems with industrial relations, for example, or with new trains not turning up when they should have done new infrastructure on the railway but some of it within their control these trains have been filthy dirty in some cases and it's just you know
0: that is not a complicated infrastructure problem that is about cleaning your trains so So there's been all sorts of problems how is bringing northern rail back under government control going to change things in the immediate term so first of all i want to set expectations because as you're
1: question suggests, you know, this is not a sort of instant solution. This will happen, this changeover will happen on the 1st of March, and I do want to make sure that people see some changes. For example, deep clean all all the trains, get the timetable running so that there are trains on a Sunday, those types of things. Then I've asked the Operator of last resort, who'll be running this network, uh, to come up with a plan within a hundred days—the hundred-day plan for what they're going to do in the medium and the longer term. Some of those things uh, we know about already: thirty platform extensions, so we can take longer trains uh, and reduce overcrowding. Um, new trains coming in—the Pacers going, of course. The dreaded Pacer yep, yeah, trains yeah. have <laughs> almost become a symbol of all yeah. that is worse. Uh, they'll be gone by the summer, and then. Uh, new trains coming in uh, next year uh, and a, a, a host of other things that I want them to come forward uh, with uh, to me. And then there's a much longer term thing, not much longer, I hope, but a longer term thing, which is uh, I think the problems on our railway go beyond just what's been happening on northern and indeed some yeah, other networks. Yeah. It's too complicated. It's too fragmented. Uh, it's very hard to tell. who is well, uh Well, I think that in one way, privatisation has been. A massive success in yeah. another way uh, a problem the massive success is uh, the number of people traveling by train has doubled uh, we've seen uh, twice as many journeys twice the, the distance twice as many people so in that way it's attracted a lot of new people it's brought in a lot of new money to the network as well on the other hand Um, it has become too fragmented, too complicated. It's hard to know who's in control. Um, And I think what's happening today with Northern demonstrates, I'm not going to approach this from an ideological point of view. I just want the trains to run on time. And I think that the future that Keith Williams, who's been carrying out this review, which I'll be turning into a white paper, describes, is where you have uh, a system where everybody's objective who is involved in the sector is to run the train on time for passengers, to the minute. And uh, we can do that with having uh, a private investment, for sure, uh, but it can't be on the basis at the moment where uh, it feels like uh, the last person in the chain here is actually the passenger. That's got to be the first person that they concern themselves how, how long do you expect it to be in state control? Is this a temporary stop? Yes, this is going into a, a sort of phase, if, if, if you like. It will be temporary in as much as we'll need to get the new white paper uh, out in this new system of railway what i didn't want to do uh, with uh, northern is just you know um, oh dear you, you fell give it to someone else no other changes along the way i'm clear that we need what you know often the media seem to describe as the fat controller in in control <laughs> of our railways when something is wrong who is it that's person who can put it right at the moment well it, it, this is fascinating if you if there's a problem on the overhead power line Uh, That could be the train operator's uh, problem. It could be uh, the network rail who operate the infrastructure problem. Let's say it was a bird who hit that line. The answer to that question
0: would depend on the size of the bird. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you can make it up. Okay, could you? I, I now, just, just very briefly, sir. So before I let you go, I saw you banging the drum for, for reversing some of Beeching's cuts earlier this week. A lot of talk in the media about the future of HS2, whether it hangs in the balance. I think a lot of people I've spoken to over the last couple of weeks would actually, I think, prefer to see HS3 plus Beeching reversed over HS2. Is that something that you might consider? Well, th- actually, the whole point of that review is indeed to consider all of those things. Uh,
1: you know, what is the best way to spend? Let's face it, the biggest investment or biggest infrastructure project in if not the world certainly Europe 100 billion pounds is a lot of taxpayers cash you've got to be pretty certain before you do it which is why we've had the OKAV review which I've got a draft of I've then asked a whole series of extra questions largely about the data and information I'll be sitting down with the Prime Minister and the Chancellor uh, very shortly to, uh, to to look at that and come to a solution a- actually either way Um, we should be doing what you called HS3, which is the Northern Powerhouse Rail Network. We need to do that Anyway, because the north, you know, putting aside these immediate problems yeah. with Northern and Arriva that we've been talking about, the north is not as well connected as, for example, if you happen to live in the southeast or London in particular. And it should be. It should be. It should have those services. So we're going to invest in those regardless, and that's our whole plan for levelling up this country, connecting communities together. Uh, and that's why I was up in the northwest just yesterday, as you say, announcing yeah. some of those beaching reversals. That's where the, the, the report that famously in the 60s and 70s. Closed five
0: thousand miles of our network, and, 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 and you're and spending two thousand three hundred, half a billion pound of taxpayers' money to open twenty five miles. According, no, that's to not your true. I, I
1: think I think that's what my Labour shadow said. It's yes, yeah. not, not true at all. In fact way way more than Glad that. To there's hear one it. there's <laughs> one single line reopening, which is the Ashington Bly Valley Newcastle one, which alone is, is probably more distance than that, and that's only one uh, of uh, one small project.
2: The
0: Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio.
2: A year, actually a little bit more than a year after I was raped, I met with the police. Um, Sorry, I keep forgetting these times. I know. Yeah.
0: Okay, I I didn't realise, I'd forgotten it was a year. Yeah,
2: it was a little bit more than a year. I think it was the end of May 2016. I was sitting down with the police. I thought they were updating me on my complaint against them for how poorly they'd um, investigated the case. And um, they actually told me as I was sitting there that actually... Well, they'd said they were there to talk to me about my complaint. That wasn't why they were there, and that they were there to tell me that um, that they had known all along, but that now they felt that they should tell me as well that um, my attacker had taken a one minute and two second long video of me naked and unconscious on the hotel bed.
0: There was a hearing yesterday, which is yeah. uh, it's clarified the law. Has Absolutely. it not? Tell us about that.
2: So I have been fighting to clarify the law because the CPS told me that it is not illegal under UK law to film someone naked without their permission if you're in the same room. To their mind, the law said that if you were if you allowed somebody to see you naked, that it was the same as allowing them to video. Even
0: though you hadn't given your consent. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Um, when the CPS first told me that, I actually started working with five different parties in Parliament to try and change that. Because if the only answer was legislatively, I was still going to yes. fix it. Yeah. I have a young daughter. Um, I also just don't think that that's the kind of society I want to live in. Um, and then, amazingly, I'd been sort of at it for a year in terms of sort of lobbying the government. When they came back and told me that in the government's mind, what happened to me was already illegal um, and that the CPS had read the law wrong, which led to, you know, absolute head spinning because that meant that I could still try and get justice, um, but that also no one was going to help me change the law until I, you know actually went out um, and tried to get this in front of a judge. So through a bunch of craziness, um, I was supposed to be bringing a judicial review. I was supposed to be bringing a judicial review against the CPS to force them to clarify this point of law. Um, and the idea was that if it was found in my favor, that they would then have to go away and strongly consider charging my attacker um, with voyeurism. But last week, everything changed. Because it turned out that while the CPS was filing all of these um, documents and submissions in court, in my case, saying that what happened to me was not voyeurism and was not illegal and so they couldn't charge my attacker, at the same time they were defending an appeal in criminal court from someone who they had prosecuted for videoing somebody during a consensual sexual encounter. You are no. And the only way we found out about it was they tried to have my case thrown out because the other case was happening and the point of law would be decided in the other case. What they didn't say in their application to have my case vacated was that they were arguing the other side of it in the appeal. So yesterday, I got to go to court and actually make my legal argument that what happened to me is not legal under UK law. And I did that to support the CPS's case against a criminal this appeal.
0: Is, this is, I, 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 I've been communicating <laughs> privately and I just I
2: can't quite
0: get my head around it.
2: Honestly, neither can I. So it's, is the law now clear? Yes. Yes. So yesterday the Court of Criminal Appeal agreed with me and the CPS, that it is illegal to video somebody naked without their consent, even if you're in the same room. So for anybody listening, anybody who's been in the situation where they, male or female, their ex-partner, has videoed them without their consent, that is now a crime. That is now a crime.
0: So where does that leave your alleged attacker in your case?
2: So given everything I've gone through with the CPS... um, I really wasn't very confident that they were going to do the right thing. So we weren't sure it was going to happen with my judicial review um, and all of that. But actually, after the finding yesterday, the CPS did actually come back to my team and say that they were going to stop resisting my judicial review, that I am right, um, now that the Criminal Court of Appeals says so, and they're higher than where I was going, but whatever. Yes. Um, and that they are now going to formally reconsider potentially charging my attacker. It doesn't mean they're going to do it, um, but I really genuinely think that it is in the public interest for this to finally happen. Um, The CPS, not just in my case, but in a lot of cases, has been going the easy way um, and not charging people who should be charged. Our criminal justice system says that you belong in front of a jury. That's where these decisions belong. Um, And I'm actually in a position where I may finally see my attacker in a courtroom. Uh, uh, You're you're
0: not a you don't play you don't play for people 's emotions, but I think it's extremely important that you do tell the listeners just a little about how bloody difficult the yeah. last five years have been we everyone can get the rape yeah. everyone can get what it must be like they can imagine what it must be like to wake up not know where you are to be told over a year later yeah. by the people who are supposed to be looking after your best interest that there was a video
2: yeah
0: but the actual grind what, what it, it's taken a it must have taken a huge toll on you personally
2: and continues to um you know i I have worked in communications and consulting and strategy and politics, but I'm always the person telling the person who's talking in public what they should be saying and what they should be doing i never meant to be sitting in front of a microphone or giving interviews and it's really really hard to have to talk about this over and over and over again every time it comes up
0: you've waived your right to anonymity which must have been a difficult decision as well i mean try
2: dating (laughs) nobody will date me (laughs) and i'm also pretty (laughs) unemployable which is really not something that i thought through when i waived my anonymity why I, unemployable i used to work in pr people don't like it when you google me and this is what comes up it's not it's really not okay it's Not fair. No, but it's i, I get see it, it i get it yeah, yeah. i see it when i'm interviewing i see somebody's face change when they realize what i talk about in public um it has completely upended my life but every time I do something like come and talk with you or um, I'm interviewed for an article or go on TV somebody reaches out to me who's been through something, who needed to hear that they are not alone, that they are not the only person who the CPS ignored or who the police didn't do a great job for or who something like this has happened to.
0: So I had this statement from uh, the Crown Prosecution Service uh, a spokesperson. It says what constitutes a private act for the purposes of the offence of voyeurism had never been conclusively defined by a higher court until yesterday. The CPS doesn't make or decide the law, that's the remit of Parliament and the courts respectively. Now that this authoritative judgment has clarified this point of law, the CPS will review its position in the judicial review brought by Emily Hunt. And as we said, we're all rather hoping it may seem charges brought against her alleged attacker. And if you enjoyed all of that, make sure you tune in to The Matthew Wright Show with Kevin O'Sullivan every weekday from 1 on Talk Radio.